I'm Izzy, and my guest today is super, super dope. He's someone that got started in a grind. Uh, and based off his Instagram bio, he literally went through five vlogs a day for three summers. Uh, and someone that I'm super, super excited to interview. Uh, he's been a dream guest for a while now, and just I'm just honored, uh, super honored. So, Marco, thanks for joining me today. Izzy, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited for you to be able to tell your story talk about everything that you've touched, which is a lot. Uh, and by everything, I mean the things that you can talk about because I don't want to get you in trouble. Um, but from a outsider's perspective, somebody that comes across this episode, doesn't know who you are or may not have kind of known like where you've been or anything like that. Do you want to give people a quick intro as to who you are and what you do? Marco Henry Negrete. I'm from a uh, small town in Southern California, Fillmore, California. Um, so Grew up out here, went to school in the Bay, and then from there uh, moved to a different a couple different stops to, uh, where my career took me. I am a um, public relations and content creative by trade, and I've been able to do that in a, um, a few different ways, right? From from writing, copywriting, storytelling, um, on the brand side, on the PR side, on the editorial side. So that's what I've been doing for the last seven or eight years of my career, and um, most of it's been in the sneaker industry, so... Yeah, you've had a couple jobs that like low key, if you think about it, um, people, kids that are listening to this or just people that are listening to this, consider those jobs like low key dream jobs. So from your perspective, um, I want to go a little bit deeper as to like a little bit about those jobs and everything like that. But to start, where'd you go to school? Like what you study? Uh, does it make sense to what you do today? Yeah, actually, it does. So I went to school. To, I went to San Jose State University in the Bay Area, Northern California. And uh, well, when I got there, I didn't I had no clue what I wanted to do. I was, I'm the oldest of five siblings, and um, the first the first person in my, in my extended family to to like go away to a four year university. Um, so it was kind of like starting from scratch there, and I had no idea. Like when I got there, I, I grew up like like I feel like there's there's these certain jobs that everybody has as a kid growing up. I grew up in a small town, so you don't really have access to um, the full range of what's possible for a career. So you, you kind of like know what you see on tv or maybe what people around you have and I, you know i, I kind of went to college and i wanted to be like a i was a criminal justice major right i wanted to be a detective or like like i grew up watching you know svu and things like that with my mom or like different different type of crime shows so that was like how, what i wanted to do and then i got there and i was like taking some of like the pre-work and i realized pretty pretty quickly that i was super fascinated with like at San Jose State, it was actually sociology, not criminal justice. They didn't offer it. So it was like the study of people's minds and what impacts crime and things like that, which is super fascinating. I ended up minoring that. But once I kind of realized what my career prospects were going to be with that major, um, and that's like no disrespect to those careers. It's just not what I wanted to do. I decided I needed to make a move. So I just started from scratch, and uh, I took a couple courses on like, like that basically help you decide what your major should be. And um, I stumbled across public relations. And I had never heard of like public relations before, like as a profession, as like even as a concept, right? Um, and uh, but I started reading into it, and it was like basically I remember the description like it was yesterday. It was like, hey, do you like um, you know storytelling? Do you like you know, it's basically do you like talking? Do you like presenting? Do you like uh, you know? And I started thinking about it. Like I grew up really loving brands, right? I love sports and I love like sneakers and, and style and stuff, but what hooked me to those things 
was like those really strong brand loyalties I felt towards my favorite brands, right? Or my favorite tagline. So I started to think about like, oh, well, maybe I have kind of been interested in this sort of profession my whole life. I just didn't know what it was. So I decided like, yo, this, I was hooked as soon as I read that line about like, hey, talking and writing, I was like, yo, I could do that. Like English and like history was always more of my strong suit compared to like math and science. So I knew that I needed to end up in something like that. So I ended up majoring in PR, man. And my first job out of college was in PR. And um, I kind of went away from that for a while. For a while, I didn't really love it. I was at a small tech PR agency in San Francisco. And it was like, kind of like, I didn't really expect this to be. I thought I was going to be like going to an agency like like Don Draper and Mad Men or something, uh, even though that was advertising. But that was kind of like what my like super creative job. And at that time, it just wasn't. So I, I bounced around to a, a couple of different professions, mostly in tech in the Bay Area, just trying to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. I actually found myself eventually back in PR because I think at heart, I am a PR guy. Those are the type of things I care about when it comes to uh, storytelling, messaging, um, and and how my favorite brands um, got people like me to be so loyal and so um, so dedicated to them. What are those brands? What are those brands that came to mind immediately when you <laughs> yeah, were well, going through that class and you're like, damn, I'm hooked yeah, immediately? Well, the classic one is Nike, of course. No one does a better job of it. I don't know if you could tell behind me. Big Nike fan, <laughs> Nike and Jordan. So when I was growing up in the 90s, like it was those commercials and those campaigns and those sneakers that ultimately helped kind of shape who I am as a person. Um, it sounds like really like, you know, that's a little too deep, but it really is like, you know, when I was growing up again in a small town, I didn't have a ton of access to cultures that would be more prominent in major cities. Right. So I got a lot right. of my culture from, of course, my friends and stuff. Um, we would be whatever culture was happening in the larger cities. So I'm an, I grew up an hour away from LA, but a far away from LA when you talk about culturally. So I got a lot of my culture through magazines and, and, and TV. This is even pre-internet right, as a kid and commercials. So it was those things that really stuck with me um, when it came to what my favorite brands were. So Nike for sure. Um, Nike and Jordan always come to mind later on in life. I've learned to appreciate, you know, obviously big Apple fan. I think a lot of people yeah. are. They do a great job of storytelling and making you feel like you, you need those products to, to, to perform at your highest level. So those are the two that come to mind, but there, there's, there's a lot um, right. that help influence me. I think there's something to be said by your journey because you mentioned these two brands uh, specifically and you ended up working uh, for those two brands. So for like anybody that doesn't know who you are or anything like that, like, Talk to me about that time between that tech, uh, the tech PR firm that you didn't really like, and then landing what seems to be like at the time, like a dream role at a, a Nike, a Jordan or anything like that. Yeah, man, it was, I was a couple of years out of college living in San Francisco. Um, I was working at Twitter headquarters at the time doing like advertising uh, sales. So it was a little bit creative because it was like social strategy for our clients. But at the same time, it was also sales driven, which I learned pretty quickly. Like, that's just not my personality to be a salesperson. Um, but I did it. I did it. You know, obviously Twitter's my favorite app. So I enjoyed that aspect of it and learned a lot. But during that time, back to the bio, uh, I got the opportunity to start freelance writing, which it came from complete chance. I had no experience formally writing. I didn't write for the school newspaper in college or anything like that. I wish I had now looking back, but at the time I didn't, I was like really PR focused when it came to my career, but I did blog a lot. Blogging was super important for my major because of a couple of classes I took. One of them by, a, by one of the professors, Peter Young, who's just like a kind of like 
a genius when it comes to social marketing really early in on that. The other one was a social business course with uh, Professor Michael Brito. Both of those guys introduced me to the concept of social business and social media like over 10 years ago. Now it's so common, right? It's like you got to basically any job you get at a company, you have to know that. Back then, it really positioned me to, to be like a little bit ahead of the curve because the rest of the industry was still catching up to this stuff being important. So it was those two courses that also forced me or tasked me with creating a blog and I just started like writing about my favorite topics, including sneakers and even replicating kind of my favorite blogs, like whether it was nice kicks or complex or hype beast or whatever, I would see what they would write. And then I would kind of like practice that style in a way that like you would see like, you know, Kobe moving and go to the court and try to do it. I was doing that with writing really. And it's funny because like some of those things that I replicated now years later are people that I got to work with. And I'm like, yo, I used to read your stuff when I was like years before I even had a job in the sneaker industry. So I would, I had like this whole like, blog this wordpress of like different stories about sneakers and basketball and all these things but i never wrote informally and, I, and again i didn't fancy myself a writer at the time um just because pr was a lot of writing but it wasn't like it was like press release writing and and, and you know social writing it wasn't like writing editorial writing but uh, an, an opportunity presented itself on twitter through uh, a guy who had worked on at complex for a really long time nick engvall uh, he had worked at Soul Collector and Complex, and I had been following him for years. And um, now he runs uh, Sneaker History. And he had just left Complex for Finish Line. Finish Line was trying to ramp up. Finish Line was really early on on content marketing um, when it came to storytelling around products, right? Like they were trying to like emulate kind of like that blog style that Nick was an expert in. So he was trying to build a team there, given that he had just left and started this new department at Finish Line. And he basically tweeted out, like, who wants to write about sneakers? I still got the tweet to this day, the screenshot. Every year it pops up in my memories. And it's just like, yo, this tweet kind of uh, changed my life. So I responded immediately. And I was like, yo, and I, and I hit him with the links to my blog, a couple pieces that I was proud of, not because they were well-written, but because I think they displayed a little bit of, um, uh, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about. He's passionate. And he knows how to use WordPress. Like, even if he's not a great writer, at least he has three of these things out of the way. And it's one thing to say, hey, I want to do that. That's my that's my dream, blah, 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 blah. It's so one thing to actually do it. So that's what I tell people all the time. It's like, don't wait for permission to go and start getting reps in on what you want to do. You know, I, I, I swear, these these blog posts that I was spending hours to write about the difference between Kanye and Drake's Nike deal, like five people were reading, right? I could go back and look at the stats. And it was like my mom and like four Facebook friends, right? But it was like, yo, that at least was like something to show for it other than just a, a handout. Like, yo, help, pick me. I'm cool. Like, how's this guy right. supposed to know? So he gave me a shot. He, he had me write a couple of sample posts. And like a week later, I was a freelance writer for Finish Line. And I felt like I was like, yo, like you couldn't tell me anything. I felt like I was officially like my foot was in the door i'm a sneaker rider now but i had a nine to five still so for about for, for that for like that last year in san francisco i'm working like kind of like eight to five eight to six at twitter it was really kind of a grind job um and then i would hop off and and um just ride all night right like it started off really small like maybe five ten posts a week and then they started getting really big and it was fun for me man so the, the five blogs a day for three summers is, is, is a play on uh, you know Kanye's line five beats a day for three summers um and that's really how it felt it was like it was really three years that I was doing that kind of on the side before I even um before uh, I I didn't get my first full-time job in the sneaker industry I think I had just turned um maybe 27 or 28 so um it it showed that like for me it's a reminder that like you know it, it took it took it took a long time to get here but it was worth it fast forward I decide yo like 
I think I want to go to, I think like after doing that for a year, I was like, yo, I think this is what actually what I want to do. I spent all day at work just waiting to get off of work to do more work. But it's like, yo, mm. how do I flip this where my actual nine to five is things that I enjoy? So I decided <laughs> to take a leap of faith and um, move to New York, quit my job, uh, booked a one-way flight to New York, um, left California for the first time really. Um, and, and I got there and, and it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a rude awakening. Culture shock. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I already had like the dream in my head. I'm going to get there and a month later. I'm going to have a job at, at, at some big company that I love. And it wasn't really like that, but I was, I was very fortunate. Another person that I had met on Twitter a couple of years before John Marcello, who now heads up BR kicks, Bleacher report kicks him and I had become like internet friends, right? Uh, he had written an article that I thought was really cool. And I had praised him for that. We found each other on Twitter. And it turns out we had a little bit of in common. He, he grew up in San Jose. I went to San Jose State. But he was living in New York already. So I got there and I'm like, yo. I had already had told him. I was like, yo, I'm thinking, he, had, he had just moved out there for a complex job. So I was like, yo, I've been thinking about doing it too. He's like, bet, hit me up when you get out here. We'll link up. And then when I got out there, I'm like, yo, let's link. Also, I'm seeing that, like, you know, in my head, I'm like, yo, I don't got a job. So in my head, I'm like, yo, I see you guys have a, a freelance job open. At complex sneakers to be a news writer at night 7 p.m to midnight monday through friday and i was like yo like here's my here's here's my author page on finish line do you think you can put in a word for me he did and uh you know maybe a few weeks after i landed in new york i had my first freelance job which was again it felt like yo nice. i'm in new york city i'm working for one of my favorite sites complex you know i'm a fan yeah. of so much stuff that they do and i was still freelancing though so i wasn't in the office and i basically was writing at night and i did that for a few months realized that you know you can't live anywhere especially not new york on um at least back then or at least at the level that i was at on, on a freelance writing uh um, <laughs> income so i got another tech job during the day doing doing tech sales and and i and i went back to that like that basically nine to midnight monday to friday going yeah i had like an, an hour off in between i got off of my uh, nine to five probably like around six and i had to be on that seven so i had like an hour to get from from uh union square to to my apartment grab some food on the way and then be ready to pitch a couple of news stories to to my editor that <laughs> wealthy at the time and um it was fun man i loved it but i was getting burned out and um I'm gonna try to wrap this up. This is a long story, but I did that for another eight or nine months, and I was I was really getting burned out. Like I was like, yo, I moved to New York, and um, I'm finally starting to get comfortable here, but I don't got any time to enjoy this. I wouldn't get off of work till midnight on Friday, and then I started right. to get like like it was just the nature of the job. So I got lucky. My boy John, who originally got me in that position, got promoted. He said, hey, I want you to come take my spot as the social editor for Complex Sneakers and Complex Style. Do you want to interview us? Of course, man. Like, this is what I came to New York for. So that ended up working out. And then I, and then I got my first full-time gig at Complex as the social nice. editor for Complex Sneakers, Complex Style. I got to work on sneaker shopping, which was, you know, still to this day, one of my favorite pieces of content and shows on the internet. And um, got to do that for a year. And then it was like, that was like a... It, if there's no way to explain what that experience was like, I met so many incredible people, um, and it, it was really like going to get my my master's in, in, in media and in online sneaker culture and all these and, yeah. and the internet, the way that they have mastered that. So I was able to do that for a year, and then I was loving New York City. It was like, yo, this is exactly where I wanted to be my whole life. I'm, I'm finally like got my I got a dream job. I got a I'm starting to get comfortable here. 
And then I get a call from Beaverton, man, and everything changed overnight. A, a month later, I was on a one-way flight to Portland, Oregon for the first time in my life. So um, it was Damn. bittersweet, but that was another um, one of those moments in my life where it, it was it, it was life-changing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a, that's a movie, man. That's a movie script. That's amazing. I feel like everybody who's in this industry and, or or even like people who move to New York have stories like this, right? Like, cause it, oh, yeah. Especially back then, there wasn't that many jobs in sneakers. So I learned really quickly the people that are actually doing this work have been doing it for so long. Like, my story is not unique in that sense. Like, I keep referencing my boy, John Marcello. Like, he was freelance writing. He had his own blogs. He had all this stuff for years before he got his first look. So it, it for me, it, was, it wasn't like, oh, man, this journey is crazy. It was like, yo, you got to earn your stripes. Everybody that I know yep. has been working sneaker retail for 10 years before he got their first job at a brand or et cetera. So I was like, yo, for me, it was just like more of a rite of passage. So let me ask you this. Obviously, you got a new age or new generation of not only sneaker uh, media, but then sneaker companies in general. With all these new companies, obviously come new opportunities, um, come new applicants. And we've run into it. Um, I've seen it where people almost just want to be like, yo, I have 10,000 followers. Hire me. What would you tell someone that's trying to get into the industry today about like, like you said earlier, like earning your stripes one, but then two, like not everything is just going to be handed to you in this industry. For sure. One thing that I learned along the way, especially at some of these stops, whether it's complex or, or, or Nike headquarters is that being a sneakerhead is um, a huge plus, but it's not, the main or the only qualification for working in this industry. I used to see it all the time on complex and even at Jordan, right? Like, man, Nike needs to hire better people. Complex needs to hire better people. Like I know so much about sneakers hire me. And I'm like, yo, like, like you don't get a job just based off of being passionate. You have to have a skill set that applies to an actual business. Um, so whatever that is, like you need to find, and nowadays you got to have multiple, right? Like gone are the days, like even what I, what I was doing back then, like there's not a ton of freelance news writing jobs anymore or full-time ones. So it's like now, uh, like even when I became a writer, I became a writer because I identified that as my way to get into sneakers because I can design. I wasn't going pro. I wasn't going to get my own signature shoe. Like the, there was all these like things. And as I realized, this is my way in. Now it's like you want you kind of have to have two or three of those, but I think that's so important. Is like passion is is a basic requirement. You got to have something else that you can bring to the table that's valuable from a business standpoint. Um, and we're we're lucky to live in an era where like creating cool content does move a business in a lot of ways. So that that's cool too. But it's like you got to have a way to do that, right? Whether it's from a design standpoint, uh, content capture or, or storytelling, et cetera. But yeah, I think the biggest thing I learned is like, because when I was like graduating college, I was applying to all these jobs at Nike and I was like, yo, I'm so qualified for this job, right? Like they're like entry level marketing jobs. And I'm like, yo, how are they not hiring me? I love sneakers. I lo played basketball my whole life. I studied PR, like I can literally body this role and I wouldn't even get yeah. callbacks, dog. Like I would get like the, the automated email <laughs> and I was so like frustrated. And then I, and then like over time I realized like these people don't know me, 
Like, they don't care if I like sneakers. Join the club, right? Like, they want to know what I can bring to the table that's going to help the business. But when I was young and naive, I was like, man, I should have that job. Like, look at me. No one knows more about this than me. And then I realized, like, that's really just not how the world works. You don't get a job just because you're being passionate. You didn't even get a pat on the back for that. Join the club, right? It's interesting because, like, just from my perspective, uh, before I even landed this this role, like, just trying to get into sneakers out of college, very similar experience. And then uh, I was working in tech and then, like, kind of, like, toying around with possibly moving uh, into a sneaker role. And when I started applying, it's like, yo, I'm applying for roles that are beneath me. Like, what's going on? And then it's just, like, looking back on it now, it's like, oh, I didn't have that skill set just yet. And now I think it's because I've like been in hiring uh, in the space for a little bit where it's just like, no, like this, just because, like you said, just because you're a sneaker, it doesn't mean you're going to get a job at Nike. You have to have that uh, skill set to actually bring to the team. So I love that. Um, That's really cool. So what are you doing today? Like, what are you working on? Like, what's that move from the brand Jordan to what you're doing today? Yeah. So I I I got to, I got to, Spent almost four years at Jordan Brand, uh, about most of those on the global PR team, um, working, you know, media relations, seating, events, launching shoes. To, I was our lead writer for, for all Jordan stories on Nike News. Um, and that was, man, like to, you mentioned dream job. It doesn't like me being a PR guy, actually loving PR and then loving my brand. It was it, it was the absolute like defining moment of my career i think and, and i've been lucky to have a few of those too because complex was just as big of a of a of a defining moment for me but um and then i moved on to the editorial side got to lead uh, all, all storytelling um for the global editorial team when the brand was really going all in on 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 editorial storytelling and creative storytelling for products for for athletes for events etc did that for about four years lived in portland for about four years and then um you know, the pandemic hit, and I think it changed the course of a lot of people's lives, a lot of people's careers. Um, for me, it led me back to LA, working remotely, and then it presented an opportunity to do what I'm doing now at Soul Savvy. Um, a good friend of mine, DP, had had uh, founded Soul Savvy a couple years prior, so I was privy to it. Um, I knew about him. I, I know both the founders well. We, we had been friends for a couple of years. And um, it yeah, I've been keeping track of what they're doing. I definitely believed in their mission. And when it just became a point where it, I needed some, like the next step was going to be needed, I, it just made a lot of sense to go there and try to build this team. So from like a story perspective, you have this really, really dope story, especially from a, a creative standpoint where just like, I think the most important part of your journey, um, I love hearing it, uh, but like actually hearing it, but then correlating it to like your LinkedIn page, which was the original reason why I was like, all right, dream guest. Um, it, it is something that like a lot of people would equate to, like I said before, a movie, but from a like journey standpoint, was there ever, is there ever a point or was there ever a point where you dealt with like that imposter syndrome? Like you're sitting at that role at Nike or you're sitting at that role at complex and you're like, damn, am I the right person for this gig? Because I know a lot of creators actually struggle with that where they just start to get in their head too much. So I'm wondering if you re- actually struggled with that as well. It, it was, I think the toughest for me was making the transition where I had like spent a couple of years in San Francisco and I kind of had like decided this was going to be my life working in tech, kind of like in a marketing PR um, advertising capacity and then deciding that it was time to leave. 
um, and knowing that like there was a high chance of, of failure, right? Like like knowing that I like I didn't want to like move to New York. I didn't make a big deal about it or anything. Like I just like moved and you know told my closest friends and family, but I didn't want to be like that dude that moved out there and like fell short. Um, so of course it, it like doubt would would creep in. In New York, man, it was tough that first like that first. I didn't have. I got my. I doubled up on jobs probably like that December, but from mm-hmm. from I moved there in the summer, so from moving there with like and I didn't have a lot saved up. I was like 25, 26 years old. Quite frankly, I didn't have anything saved up. I just had like um, you right. know, a couple of checks coming my way, um, and that could cover rent. I had, and I had, I was lucky enough too that I had some really good friends. Some of my fraternity brothers that lived in New York that are still my like really good friends to this day that like kind of gave me a little bit of a soft landing spot because housing is the hardest thing no matter where you go. So as soon as I got that out of the way, I can't pretend like I was out here like living on the streets. I got, I had, I had a, a you know a place to crash on. It was a twin mattress on the floor, but it was it was a roof over my head and, and, and it was right. that I could afford. So that played a major role too. So shout out to to my friends who who really like encouraged me to take that leap and said that they got me um, once I got there and my family was super supportive as well. But um, it, it was tough, man. Like because I think that for me when it comes to like I guess imposter syndrome is writing is a very specific skill set and people that are writers are like really writers right like study english or they've been writing their whole life i i, I mentioned earlier I, I never had i was never a formal writer i was a blogger for myself right like it would there wasn't any like a, there wasn't a ton of standards and finish line style was very bloggy as well so it, it worked well for what i was capable of doing at that time and then when i got to new york and i you know i got hired because of that john cosign um my editor, who who I mentioned earlier, Matt Welty, is a really good writer. He's you know one of the yeah. best writers in the entire sneaker industry, and he's been that for a really long time. He was he was extremely like firm with me when it came to direction and edits, and it was tough at first because I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I'm learning things that most writers would learn in college, if not sooner, and I'm learning them right now, like at 26 years old, like fuck like i hope that i can i can learn how to do this and 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 again like it's a it's like i don't know how else to explain it it's like every other industry like there's people like we all write every day and then there's people who actually write you know like on a like uh, on on a professional level so that probably was the toughest for me is figuring that out but also the most valuable because i got to learn again from one of the best in the business and then um really kind of craft that and that led to a ton of other opportunities. But by the time I got to Jordan, I was really, um, I was really comfortable with that space because I had worked in media and like the brand's relationship with media and sneaker culture changes all the time. But there's such a big overlap where like I knew exactly what media was looking for from a brand perspective, and I knew exactly um, and how it worked from both sides. So I was able. It was a huge advantage for me to go there after working at one of the biggest sneaker sites in the world because i kind of had a feel for how both sides work so I, I, it happened a little bit less there there was other like challenges of moving to portland i had no family or friends there i'd never been there in my life again i booked a one-way flight found an apartment online and just moved um but it, it was also one of those things where it's like you have to be so i, I was so confident in in my in my um in in whatever knowledge I had built up to that point, but confident in my ability to keep learning. Um, Cause like I live and breathe like sneakers. Right. So I, I just said like, there's no one like I'm, my confidence was coming in knowing that like, I'm not going to let anybody outwork me. 
like whether it be from another brand or 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 anything else like i i was i was fully committed to being 100 percent zoned in on sneaker culture um and how the brand was positioned there and how to position it better or how to navigate across that so for me it was like it was hard to for the for that for those um for that doubt to creep in there because i'm telling you i moved to portland had no friends no social life i was just like yo i'm, I'm here to i'm here and I'm putting everything I have right. there. No, one, yeah. no one's going to spend more time on sneaker Twitter than me. No one's going to spend more time on YouTube than me. No one's going to read more comments than me. I'm going to be, so it was more so like, I'm not going to doubt myself because I'm going to, I'm going to spend as much time as I can trying to just keep getting better every day. So it, it was, I was really in a zone by the time I got there. This one's uh, just because of obviously your background, all the stories that you've touched and everything like that. I'd be interested to know in your mind, what makes a good story? Oh, wow. That's a good question. It's a loaded uh, question. Yeah, it depends, right? There's different audiences. For me, I've, I've, I always like the stories that get, um, that come out that indirectly from, from whatever the s- subject is, right? So if it's a shoe, there's always a, it's never about the leather and the rubber and the colorway and the materials. Those are really great things, but it's about what that shoe means to the person who created it, what that shoe means to the consumer who's about to buy it. It, it, again, it's never about the shoe. It's about so much more mm. than that. It's a sports story. When I was growing up, my dad is a big sports fan and definitely influenced a, a lot of what I do now. Um, and I just remember like the things that I talked to my, to, to this day, the things that I talked to my dad about when we, after a big game or whatever, are very like, are, are sometimes the X's and the O's, but it's more so like the, the whatever stories happening behind the scenes. Like growing up, my favorite like segments on SportsCenter weren't the necessarily the highlights they were like you know those like behind like where they do like a deep dive into like oh, someone's yeah. journey or how they got there like those were always my favorite things to talk about like those are the type of stories that my dad and i will text each other like if you know a newspaper does a really deep dive on somebody's background um those like e- good that E60 yeah, exactly things. So, so for me, storytelling yep. is, is in, and there's obviously like, there's people who do really good X's and O's storytelling or really good product design storytelling. For me, it's about what does this product mean to people? So for me, it's always a story that can go beyond just the, the subject is and introduce new topics and themes that ultimately like either inspire somebody or make them feel good or make them see the subject in a different light. So that's a lot of broad, like buzzy terms, but that's the best way that I can describe it. That my favorite stories are, are more than just about like, whatever the subject is, it's introducing you to a new way of looking at that person or that thing. So Marco, uh, there's going to be people that want to maybe ask you a question, slide into the DMS or anything like that. So do you want to drop like your Instagram, your LinkedIn or anything like that to get people to, um, want to ask or who want to ask questions or anything like that in contact with you? Yeah, man, of course. Uh, I'm always like, yeah, my inbox isn't flooded with ass. Whatever you know, every couple of months I'll have like a somebody like who 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 is curious about about what I do or how I got there, and I'm always happy to have those conversations because again, when I we mentioned earlier when we were coming up, those it was very hard to get this information. So Marco Henry um, on Twitter and Instagram uh, is probably the best way to contact me, and then Marco Henry Negrete on um, LinkedIn, and you can also find me there. But yeah, I'm always happy to have those. I had a I had a couple of those too early in my career, and I, uh, to this day I. I I'll never forget that people went out of their way to just answer a couple of my questions or give me some advice. So um, I'll never, ever turn away an opportunity to do that for somebody else. What makes you strange on purpose? Sheesh. Uh, that's another tough one. Uh, I think uh, like 
you have to, or, or for me, it's like, I always wanted to, to find a way to do what, what ultimately makes me happy and what I enjoy without any outside, without like any other influence, right? Like, I think as you grow up, you get taught, like get a good job, something that pays well, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I, I learned that that's like not really going to make you happy. Like you, ha- you have to, mm. you have to follow what you truly like. And for you and I, we got really lucky. We just love sneakers and we ha- sneakers just happened to blow up for the last five years into uh, <laughs> an industry that has great jobs and way more than they did a few years ago. But that with that shouldn't have, that would never have been my motivating factor of me thinking, Oh man, I think, I think the so-and-so industry is going to balloon to 10 billion by 2022. So I should, I should work here. It's just like, I loved, I loved um, this industry and I love these stories. So I tried to pursue that and then we just got really lucky, but I think you have to do that regardless of, of, of what it is your passion, because when it comes down to doing the work, it's going to feel so much better and you're going to be so much better at it if you truly, truly love it. And it's a really a luxury to be able to do that for a living. So if you have the opportunity, you might as well try, right? Whether, regardless of how niche your passion might be, you have to pursue it. Cause again, our passion was niche five, six years ago. And now it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty massive industry um, for, for, for creative professionals like us. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I think that's what came to mind on like, just kind of like doing what you truly like, regardless of, of what you think the potential rewards are.